I, even early on, there were definitely like microaggressions and things said to us that like, I didn't really recognize at first. And then the longer we had been together, I'm like, are you freaking serious? And I remember one time we were at a football game and we're standing there together and these guys walk up and they made a comment about our relationship. And I'm like, how can you be walking up the stairs and cheering for like all the black athletes on the ground and doing all this and then like make a judgmental comment about who I'm with because with your attitude about people and people of color there's no way in hell I'd even date you anyways. Hello my gorgeous confident queens kings and monarchs out there this is your confident mama out here ready for season two of getting to share some incredible interviews to help us all live our best most confident lives as parents partners and business owners let's get going good evening lara hey how are ya good i am so happy to have you here uh for those who don't know Lyra, she and I have known each other for a couple of years now, which is awesome. We met through her kiddos and have become pretty good friends since. So I'm super excited to have her on. Do you want to just go through and kind of start by introducing yourself a little bit about what you do and a little bit about your family? Yeah, so my name is Lyra Woods um, and I have done social service, human service for the past decades, um, decades, decades, not decades. I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> and um, so I've done various child welfare. I worked with um, the homeless veteran population during COVID, which was really difficult. Um, and then I took a mental health break just because I needed it. And then now I currently work um, at Workforce Services, which is the local job center. And so I help people with resumes, all sorts of fun, different things, connect with businesses. And I really enjoy it because it has the case management aspect, but I also get to work with um, small businesses and local business, which I absolutely adore. And I love all the local businesses in Laramie. So it's pretty fun. It's a pretty fun thing. So. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It's so cool that you've always kind of been in that, but I do think it was like really good for you to take that little mental health break there for a bit. <laughs> yeah, I think like working through COVID um, with a homeless population, a very vulnerable population, and then on top of that, I was commuting 45 minutes um, each way. So about an hour and a half a day, um, it really just started to wear on me and it just, it really started to wear on me. Um, I think shortly, right before shortly I left, cause I was just struggling so bad. Um, I actually got diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and so that diagnosis diagnosis was like very much like a blessing. Um, and I don't want to overuse that word, but I had always known something was like a little off, like, cause I just couldn't do the things like, especially after becoming a mother that all these moms seem to be able to keep up doing. Um, and I just felt like I couldn't do it. Like I was always two steps behind or forgetting things. And it, and it had always been a little bit like that, but when I added kids into it, it just like multiplied either as forgetting something at home or I was forgetting something at work and I just was so exhausted all the time. Um, and so, I mean, like, while it was really difficult doing that job during COVID, um, 
it definitely, I guess, brought out, you know, pushed me to an extreme that I needed to go. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. And child welfare, I really liked um, a lot. There's so much information, like parenting information I walk around with and um, adoption information because I did a lot of like adoption work, um, which I really enjoyed. And then, you know, and now I just get to help people with resumes and jobs. And so um, I thought for a while it was going to be done and I was ready to leave it. And it just, when I was on my break, I was like, I can't this is a part of who I am. Like, I can't walk away and do another job where like, I'm not helping someone, so. Yeah, yeah. you definitely have that kind of a personality where like, you're always constantly helping other people, which yeah. I appreciate it about you, but I'm sure it gets like overwhelming sometimes too when you're taking care of yeah. everybody else, but it seems like you can't take care of yourself, like, especially with like your adult ADHD diagnosis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely. And it was one of the, I think naturally, like, it, like I just do it naturally and I don't think about it, but then, like you said, if you're not taking care of yourself and you're truly not doing it, you know, then you can't truly help other people. Um, and I was really to that point where I had just neglected myself and almost to an extent where I felt like I wasn't giving the best to my family and that's who deserves the best. But even like when I took my break, I'm sitting here and people are like, well, I don't know where to get this or I don't know where to go and get that. And just like naturally, I'm like, oh yeah, there's this resource, this resource and this resource. And so it just like, I think it's just a natural part of who I am. And it even had a a mom I recently helped find a sitter and I was like I totally dress this person with my kids like you know trying to like justify and she's like you why are you justifying like I would trust anybody you'd put your kids with that's just the type of person you are and I'm like oh my god thank you like, <laughs> thank you and so it really meant a lot when she said that but um yeah it was like you said it was much needed to be selfish and I I don't know I call it dumping my plate because I really cleared it of all but the essential responsibilities during that time and so it's been really good so yeah no kidding I think we all sometimes need to just dump our plates of everything we do we absolutely do need a dump home so yeah preferably before like a mental breakdown so <laughs> preferably <laughs> yeah would recommend that so yeah that's funny well and then I mean, you have like the cutest family ever. I love your girls. They're so funny. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about like your family specifically? Yeah. So um, I have been with my husband for 16 years. We've been married for 12. So we've been together like long time. And then I, we have two girls that are six and four and a half so they're 22 months apart which I never would have planned in my entire life to have kids that close together um but the world had a different plan for us and it's fun now that we're excuse me out of that little kid stage that like they're kind of bonding they're able to do stuff and it's it's been really fun to watch our relationship grow so yeah I feel like they're super close and they do like a ton of stuff together which is kind of fun they do they also fight a lot which is pretty <laughs> normal um and they are already fight over clothes and shoes and whatever else you could think of to fight over they do but 
there's a moments where I, I've seen them when they're walking into a situation that's new to them or they're nervous or even one of them's nervous that they'll grab the other person's hand and they'll stand there and hold hands together mm. to walk into that event. And it like brings tears to my eyes because I'm like, okay, like, I hope you guys always have that with each other that you know that you're there because no one can relate to your home life better than a sibling and how crazy your parents were growing up. So yeah. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, and I think it's really cool too, because um, you talked about like your work in like social services and doing a lot with adoption, which you have a very specific kind of uh, ability to handle because your oldest daughter is adopted. Yeah, so our oldest daughter is adopted. Um, we, so my husband and I had kind of like, I don't know, I call it playing with fire, but we weren't like actively like charting, trying or anything. We've been like not, using protection and we're like if it happens it happens because I'd been kind of on the fence I'm like whatever about kids like I'm enjoying my life I'm in my 20s like whatever you know um and kind of we it came down to like well we kind of need to make a decision like we feel like we're at the point where like are we gonna have kids or are we not um and then we started actively trying like charting and stuff and I still couldn't get pregnant and so we went to the doctor and the doctor was like there's nothing wrong with either of you um, your next best option now is going to start fertility treatments. And I had seen a lot of friends go through that and I knew it wasn't for me ever. Um, it just was not my jam. I wasn't going to do it like, no. And so we had always talked about adopting um, kids, like always doing foster care, doing adoption or whatever. We couldn't do foster care because we worked in child welfare for the state and so we were like barred we even had like people kind of like try up the line try to like advocate for us which i really appreciate and they're like no you can't do it it's a conflict which is understandable um and so we ended up doing private adoption um and that's how we were connected with cora's birth mom which was more like we didn't use an agency it was literally a word of mouth um hmm type of situation and so Cora was adopted and I would say that like prior to adopting her like I had very different views than I do now as an adoptive parent and what I do um, which I think is true for every every parent you know you're like this is what I'm gonna do but with adoption oh, yeah. I was like I'll only have a semi-open adoption and I'll only do this thing and only do that and then as I learned more about adoption through my work, I learned about ambiguous grief and loss. And I learned the importance of having an open adoption and doing all these things. Um, and like, once I held her in my arms, I was like, I, I could never deny you anything. You know, I can't deny you that relationship, um, you know? And luckily, like, I adore her birth mom. Like her birth mom is, mm -hmm. she's just kind of in a cruddy situation. Um, and so we have a very open adoption like she's come to visit our house several times of course birth mom like we talk about mama um her mama all the time like you know her mama sends her presents all the time like or like for birthdays and christmas um and so we have a very open adoption because i'm like okay if i can do anything i can reduce the trauma for you 
um, you know, and if it had been, say, a different situation and maybe there are choices that um, her birth mom was making that were unsafe or whatever, then the relationship would look different, but it'd still be open. Um, mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, people, I've had several people say, how, how can you do that? Why would you like, isn't there a competition? Do you feel competitive? And I was like, why would I feel competitive? Like, there's nothing for me to compete with her because my relationship with my daughter is different than her relationship with our daughter. You know, they're two different relationships. It's like saying, don't you feel competitive with an aunt or a grandma or, and it's not. And, and as I always say, like, she knows Cora in a way I can never know her. And I know Cora in a way that she can never know Cora. And so each of us hold this like piece to Cora. And it's so important for her to see even us having a relationship. And so um, it's been like, I mean, it's been a really, really cool process. And you know, like I said, if you can reduce trauma for a kid, like I'm all, I'm all about it. I'm not going to wrap her in cotton, but I'm going to make the best of a situation for her, um, you know, and kind of reduce that ambiguous grief and loss and let her have questions to answers to her life. So, and I think if you don't allow kids to have answers to questions about their life or how they started or how they ended up, then you're doing that child a disservice. You know, it's just, you don't keep a secret from a biological child about, you know, your pregnancy or how you came into the world or even your labor and delivery. So why would you do that to a child who's been adopted? So yeah, that makes my... a lot of sense. Well, and I, I've got to meet Cora's mom and she has like a sister. Is that right? From her Yeah, mom? she has a baby mm-hmm. sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and she also has an older brother as well. Um, but yeah, her baby sister is absolutely adorable. And so, yeah, but we, I mean, her baby yes. sister is also Kendall's baby sister. So, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, they're, they're always talked about and loved and, you know, as well as her brother talked about and loved in our house as well. So, and that to me is super important because that's a connection. That's her connection, you know? That's not my mm-hmm. connection. Like it is, it's my, it's mine to foster that connection. And I have a connection to them because of my daughter, but that's my, that's her connection. That's somebody she needs to know and love. And there's things they probably will have in common. And I know they already do have in common, you know, that that's their relationship to foster as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the siblings are super important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so you said it was never in the plan for you to have kids that close together in age. So what happened between the adoption and then having Kendall? (laughs) Oh, Kendall was the biggest um, surprise of my life. I don't think I will ever be as surprised as I was (laughs) with Kendall. Um, So a year after almost to the day of course, first birthday, we found out the Monday and she turned one on that Friday and I found out I was pregnant with Kendall and and it was one of those I was like oh my god my body kind of feels off and I was like well maybe I'll just like take a test and I did and I was like oh shit and my husband still asked because I walked out and I was holding it and I was like I'm pregnant I don't know what we're gonna do like how are we gonna do this I don't even know and he just like dies because he's like you walk out of the room like you were a 16 year old and not like a 30 year old and I'm like 
okay, that's probably a true reaction, but like when you've like already kind of like gone through the grief and loss of like having a child, like you're not going to carry, you know, you're not going to ever carry a child. And what does that mean for your womanhood? Because there's so many people are like, you're not a real woman until you give birth and all of that BS. Um, that you go, you do go through the grief and loss of that. Like you go through the grief and loss of that part of your life. Um, and so it kind of like messed with my mind quite a bit, but so they're 22 months apart. And, and so, yeah, it's, it was the biggest surprise of my life to this day. Like, I don't think I will ever be that surprised. And I shouldn't say, I don't think I will be ever that because I'm sure I'm just jinxing myself, but um, <laughs> I'm sure at some point, but yeah, she's the biggest surprise of my life. And so, um, you know, both my kids came to me in very unique ways and I mean, even Cora surprised us because she came early and her bio mom delivered her, I, I swear, in like an hour, you know? Wow, really? Yeah. She was like, and she didn't come like crazy early. She came like a couple weeks early, but yeah, she just like, it's like, hey, I'm here guys, let's go, you know? And <laughs> that's kind of her attitude about life anyways. And so, oh yeah, um, it's kind of like, I don't know. So it's kind of cool. Like both of them came in very unique ways. They just, you know, it is. And it's funny because I'm a person who, I like I'm the person that will peek at Christmas presents like my family doesn't put Christmas <laughs> presents out until the last minute like all my gifts get sent to a different house um because I'm that person and I can't help it and so like it's so funny to me that like one of my kids was like especially one of my kids was that big of a surprise you know and um you know for sure but I love them both dearly I'm gonna turn in for anything so I mean yeah. there's moments where I'm like <laughs> yeah, I think it's like normal to be like well I'm questioning my choice to have children at this point it's leading parent has done that yeah <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah so but yeah no and I'm I'm lucky enough like I um I have an absolutely amazing husband who we definitely just share we're really big on like it's not just my job to do things with the kids it's never just been my job to get up with the kids um you know he's like we're partners in this we're gonna treat each other as partners and so I mean he cooks dinner most nights like he's out there cooking dinner and, <laughs> and so I mean it's just kind of how we roll and um and so it's been Chris really is a great nice. guy and he's always so yeah. funny <laughs> he is he has a good sense of humor so I definitely I definitely lucked out with finding such an awesome person to be my partner in life so mm -hmm. and he's definitely stood by me through a lot like I had really bad postpartum depression and then you know when I had my mental breakdown he was like always <laughs> there like what can I do how can I love you how can I care for you and so there's never been I don't know how I would have made it through those times you know what I mean like without somebody who's mm -hmm. like that compassionate and caring and all of that stuff so I was gonna say I I mean, you and I have kind of had this talk that I definitely relate to, like, feeling, you know, that, like, loss of, like, womanhood or whatever with my pregnancy and, like, all of the things that went along with that, mm -hmm. and that if I do ever decide to have more kids, it's going to be through, you know, like, adoption or surrogacy or something like that, because I have already come to terms with the fact that I will not have any more, you know, of my own kids from my body. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I definitely get that. 
it definitely is and like after he had Kindle, like I was just like I'm never gonna get pregnant again because I also had really bad like mental health during my perinatal phase like I just was like I I think that like there are moments where it's like when I give birth I'm just gonna hand this baby to you and I'm gonna leave like I don't deserve this I don't deserve you and so my mental health during my pregnancy was really really bad and I think part of it was um I had a doctor that wasn't so great and just kind of ripped me off my medication because he's like this is really high risk and he took me off my medication um mm-hmm. instead of helping me find an alternative way or whatever and then because I have pretty pretty intense depression and anxiety as well and um that didn't help anything at all but I was like you know what I just it's not a process I would ever and there's women who love it like awesome good for you not my jam I'm cool with it like (laughs) whatever and so we've talked about like if we do decide to expand our family in any way it'd probably be um through fostering teens so they're just they crack us up so there's (laughs) always a need I'm one of those people who like I'm like I love teenagers like I'm sure I won't love my own as much as I love I mean I will love my own not in that way but (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I'll have the same level of patience as you do for your own children you know what I mean like when you have teachers that are like I'm so patient with my classroom kids but sometimes my own kids like you know but so that's something we've talked about like if we do anything it'll be something like that but yeah but it is like you said there's so many women who put in society put such a heavy emphasis on like you're not actually a woman unless you grow a baby and you have a baby and you do all these things and mm-hmm. it's bullshit so <laughs> I agree 100 percent yeah well and it's funny because your two girls are like complete opposites in like so mm-hmm. many ways but like the best of friends at the same time like how do you manage yeah. both of them in their own little personalities that they've got I think they definitely balance each other out. So like Cora, Cora is definitely just like very logical, like very, like she's a very intellectual person. I mean, her favorite thing when she was little was reading books and building blocks, like babies and stuffy. She's like, yeah, I'll give them a kiss. I'll give them a hug, like basic, but she's like, could take them or leave them, you know? Um, and so she she's very driven that way she was always a talker she's always been very linguistic you know and um she's a joy she's a very curious person Kendall on the other hand is very much like a free spirit like you don't tell Kendall what to wear Kendall wears what Kendall wants to wear and sometimes it's absolutely ridiculous um and so she's she very much is a free spirit that like she's her imagination is off the wall like it's amazing to watch her brain work with the imagination because it's so different than seeing Cora's brain work with like reading a book or whatever like both mm-hmm. those ways impress me Cora just started to read and by herself and I'm like oh my gosh like this is amazing like it's an amazing thing to watch and um but I've seen Kindle pull Cora into her imagination world and it's been so good for Cora and Cora on the other hand will pull Kindle into a logical place because Kindle is also a very risk-taking child I mean <laughs> I'm surprised we've, I'm surprised we've only had one ER visit because she was doing something she shouldn't um you know she's a kid that was like we had a counter height table and she would climb up the chair 
one of the chairs, climb on the table and slide into her high chair. Um, and she loves food. She's a very food driven child as well. Um, but yeah, so it's been really cool. Like they definitely balance each other out in good ways because Cora, Cora kind of holds Kendall back on some very unsafe choices, but Kendall also will kind of push Cora to stretch herself a little bit more. And so it's, they do really balance each other out and it's really fun to see. And I hope that for a lifetime we'll balance each other out. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, and then you you talked about like um, you and Chris have been together for a long time. How did you guys meet, and what's that like relationship been like for you? So we like we went to high school together, but like we we kind of like we had mutual friends and we like knew of each other. Um, and then when we were in college, we started dating. I had actually finally just broken up with my high school boyfriend that was on and off, not the healthiest relationship for the last time. And we happened to be at the same house party. And um, we just started talking a lot that night and we just started continuing to hang out and do this stuff. And um, we started to date um, that fall, it was fall of 2005. And so, um, it's been like really good. Like I said, it's like, he's just so patient. Like it was somebody I just clicked with. Does that make sense? Like we have the same sense of humor. There's a lot of things in life. Like our values are very much the same, um, which should make sense. Cause he also works in the human services, social services field. Mm -hmm. And so we definitely have a lot of very similar values and which is so important. Um, and then we've really been able to grow together and I think at a young age we realize like if we don't grow up together and support each other we're going to grow apart um and I think you see that a lot with people who start dating young get married young <laughs> and so they uh I mean it just happens and so you just have to like we were conscious enough to make the choice of like okay what are we going to do what choices are we going to make because we don't grow up together we don't support each other where are we going to be um mm -hmm. and so you know, I was lucky enough to find someone that also was ready to do that, wanted to do that. Again, I never thought I'd be married as soon as I did, but it just happened. Um, and so, you know, we were married. I was 22 turning 23 and he was 23 turning 24 because it was like a month before our birthdays. Um, and so we've been together for a long time. Um, it's an interracial marriage as well. So um, my husband is black um, and then I'm as pasty white as they come. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, it was very interesting. Um, I, even early on, there were definitely like microaggressions and things that said to us that like, I didn't really recognize at first. And then the longer we had been together, I'm like, are you freaking serious? And I remember one time we were at a football game and we're standing there together and these guys walk up and they made a comment about our relationship. And I'm like, how can you be walking up the stairs and cheering for like all the black athletes on the ground and doing all this and then like make a judgmental comment about who I'm with? Because with your attitude about people and people of color, there's no way in hell I'd even date you anyways. Like you're ignorant. Um, and so there's been like various things that like, you're just like, holy cow. Um, and it, it, like, especially like when the Black Life Matter stuff started happening and mm -hmm. all of that, like, 
you know, which I'd been on top of. I, I just, you know, I remember the Tamir Rice incident, like I'd been following that stuff for a really long time. And I was like, thank God people are finally starting to notice. And I had people who are like, no, I think they're just overreacting. This is ridiculous. And, and I was like, okay, cool. Like, do you think they're overreacting or it's not true? And they're like, no, I, I truly think it. And I was like, I'm going to challenge you. You know, my husband had the cops called on him at a mall because he had our white baby daughter with him. Yeah. And it was questioned to where I was because I had been down shopping. He was in front of a, um, like a Starbucks or something. And somebody was like, well, that's not right. Like there's a black man with white baby. Like, why is this happening? And I'm like, if that was a white man with a black baby, there would never be a question in your mind. Yeah to be quote-unquote concerned um and then there's like one time we were driving and my youngest brother was in the car with us and we got off this turnpike everybody's going about the same and we got pulled over and literally we said well we're going the same speed limit what's going on and he's like well I just need to see everybody's ID and he looked at my younger brother and I directly he's like are you guys okay do you feel safe here and I'm like are you kidding me like that's actually why you pulled us over. Like you pulled us over because my husband was driving while black. Like, and it's happened in town. I mean, he's been had people pull him over in town. Um, you know, and luckily enough, we like in almost every town we've lived in, we've had relationships with law enforcement officers because of what we've done. But sometimes there are people who didn't know and they would pull him over and I'm like yeah that's driving well black and people are like well I can't believe that I'm like yeah there's been times where like he's been called the n-word at Walmart like and I've been told I'm disgusting and there's other times where people will, will aggressively serve them with their confederate flag shirts or masks or whatever it is so you know and those are like I would say those are larger more seen aggressions um you know, and you just have the microaggressions of somebody following them around the store or other incidents like that. And I'm like, I'm like, you realize the like white woman with the two kids in the stroller is actually stealing and not him. Like, <laughs> like you <laughs> can literally see her putting stuff in her, the car seat, you know? And, and so it's just like, and now you're following him. Like, okay, cool. Like, good job. And so like, it's been really frustrating um, mostly because especially when people are like, oh, everybody's overreacting about this. And I'm like, but they're not. Like, if you've been following this stuff for years, like I said, you know, I remember the Tamir Rice incident. That was like one of the first ones I remember because he was 12. Um, you will know this. It isn't. And people of color, Black people, Hispanic people, whatever, people of color have been talking about this for so long and you guys have chose not to listen because it's not in your worldview and you're choosing not to expand your mind and you're choosing just to say they're playing a victim even though like in my opinion like white people are some of the best victims I've ever met in situations like this you know and yeah. it's kind of like they'll be like well how is this impeding me and I'm like because they're protesting for their lives how is it impeding you like seriously like like let's take some empathy classes people let's do history classes let's talk about all of this because I mean there's there's still we're not that far off from Jim Crow laws and I think people forget that like we're not that far off from interracial marriages being legal illegal you know yeah, yeah. and so I mean it was just like 
the 70s and it's not that long off from you know from that time and um and I think people forget that they choose to be like no it was a really long time ago that was pre-us but um it isn't it isn't I mean people building into bad neighborhood or into creating bad neighborhoods is what I should say so people creating bad neighborhoods where there's majority of people of color um you know I think about Southside Chicago and then purposely putting a freeway through there and it used to be full of middle-class black Americans you know and then just destroying a neighborhood you know just and that's a large aggression and you know they did that on purpose you know um and so you just have you have things like that. And I, I would really say the big thing is through everything that's been going on in the country the last few years, it's truly showed me the people I want on my island. Um, you know, and I, I think about Glennon Doyle and her book, Untamed, and she was like, who do I want on my island? And it was, but I'm like, who do I want on my island? Who, the, who do I want to expose my kids to? Um, yeah. You know, who what what values and roles do I want them to have in this world and I don't want someone that is gonna say racist remarks because they think they don't come from a mixed race family um and so it it really has I it has shown me that it's made me very sad because I thought we were further along but it turns out I think we are all just um playing playing nice and pretending um mm-hmm. I saw, but it's really each of those. I saw Chris posted on Facebook the other day. I, I always love following his Facebook posts because it either goes from like super funny or like, okay, this is a serious issue. <laughs> we need to take yeah. care of it. There's like no in between with him. Um, but he posted one the other day that was an article from our local newspaper about a new baseball team. And they were like hyping up the diversity in yeah. their leadership. <laughs> um yeah and it was like all middle-aged white dudes <laughs> yeah I know I, I saw that because we get the paper at work and I was like looking through that and I was like did they really just use the term like diverse background like all of these guys and I'm sure they're gonna do a great job they're gonna but I it's just like what a poor title choice like all of these guys look look the same and so I just like I laughed all day about that like I had to send it to him but he does he does things that he's like you know, let's talk about diversity. Let's just talk about this. Let's not, you know, and we don't do that with our kids either. Like we don't protect them from the world. And I think there's a lot of parents right now, especially who are like, well, I need to protect my kids from the world. I don't want them feeling bad about themselves. They can't have negative feelings um, or feel sad or do this. And we're not that family at all. Like we are like, you can't build empathy in a child without seeing them have other people feel or helping them fail in small ways as a little kid or take risks as a little kid and young kid because if you don't allow that you're gonna have adults who are afraid to fail you're gonna have adults that take extremely risky um risks do really risky things I guess that's probably better but you're gonna have people that do that um and it puts them at more risk than anything else. But yeah, we don't shield our kids. You know, we we haven't shielded them from 
what's going on between Ukraine and Russia because they we watch the news and they see that stuff and so we talk about it in kid friendly matters you know to where they can understand it and, and do things like that you know and my family is extremely open-minded and they didn't care that I was dating a black man you know so that was never an issue for us either I think a lot of people wonder about that I'm like no never an issue for us like I have a pretty open-minded family so that is nice yeah that was always an issue with my family um not having that kind of open-mindedness especially around like interracial dating and marriage and stuff so it's definitely Mm -hmm. interesting to kind of uh see how they react (laughs) yeah yeah no my parents like um very much aren't that and I mean in his parents like I think our family shares so many values. Like all of us are open-minded. We have a lot of empathy, you know, we, you know, these are, we value knowledge base. We value critical thinking skills. Like, and it comes from both sides of the family that we're incredibly lucky. I think the older I've gotten, especially in this thing, and people are talking about like the tension between your families because of different viewpoints on COVID or Black Lives Matter or whatever it is and you know choosing how to navigate those relationships like we haven't had that issue like that hasn't ever been an issue for us you know and I know a lot of people struggle with their baby boomer parents because they don't want anything to do with their kids or watch them and and like I'm so incredibly lucky because my parents watch the kids my in-laws watch babysit the kids you know, every day after school, they watch him. So they pick Kimball up at noon now, and then they pick Cora up at three, and then they just kind of get a hangout because they retired. And my parents will watch the girls as well. We just have to give them a call. And so I, I mean, I have paid a babysitter a handful of times because we just had that amazing family support around us. And, and so it's been really, like, I feel incredibly lucky in that sense, you know? Because I know not everybody has that. And then, so when I see other moms that are like, I like, I need help with this. Or I need help with that. I'm like, okay, what can I do to help you? Because having that support network for my family and for me and my kids is so important. And it makes parenting so much easier because we weren't made to parent in silos. Um, and so I'm like, always like, what can I do to help you? What do you need to help with? Like... <laughs> you know, because we do need that support. We all need that support as parents and as humans in general. So (laughs) isn't that the truth? Well, yeah, I love it. Well, thanks so much for kind of talking to us. Um, Do you want to tell us where we can find more about you if you want to share like your social media or anything like that? So my social media, I have a private one that's pretty locked down, um, but I have a public one because I okay. also sew and I do like crafts on the side because I don't sit still easily. Um, and so that is Rosie Woods Studio and it's R-O-S-I Woods, W-O-O-D-S Studio. Um, on Instagram, it's all one, but you can also find it on Facebook and it was named after my pit bull who is a stinker and I, I'm always yelling Rosie Woods and I'm like oh I'd be a good business name because I was looking at changing it and so 
I thought I changed it too. Nice. I love it. Yeah. Well, thanks so, so much. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. You guys have fun. Thanks for letting me ramble for half an hour. So, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> we love it. Thanks. <laughs> Y'all, wasn't that just incredible? Thank you for being here with me today. And if you loved this episode, please leave us a review and share and tag us on all your socials. We'll see you next time.